As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Happy New Year! Welcome back or welcome to the sportsman drag racing podcast where we sometimes discuss u.s olympic athletes adult film stars and sportsman drag racers i am luke bogacki joined as always by big jed jared pennington jed welcome to 2023 can't hear you jed Oh, yes, there you go. I was muted. It's a live thing. Uh, I appreciate that, Luke. And if there was any doubt as to what year it is, I have a, a visual aid here that will help me figure it out. You're coming strong right here in 2023 on the live show. That's good I'm stuff. Rocking it. I'm ready. Fired up today. It's awesome, man. Awesome. We've got a we've got a fun show on tap. I think we've got a big show on tap, especially for this time of year. It's it's not often that we've got a whole lot to talk about in early January, but we've got a new location for the OG Million. We've got the original 12 that have been released for the 48 car Invitational 100 Grander at uh, Summer Fling Columbus. Uh, we've actually got some race results to talk about from uh, from Bradenton, from Gulfport. And we teased it at the end of 2022, Big Jed. It's going to come to fruition today. We have the latest installment of U.S. <laughs> Olympic athlete, adult film star, sportsman drag racer. So be sure to stick around to the end for that. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. I think I got a good <laughs> We're list. We're going to start off the new year right. I got a good list for you. I got 10 names. I, I, I did way too much research on this. I'm ready. 
that ain't good. If you did a lot of Careful research, with the Google um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm concerned about how I'm going to start out 2023 on the, on the game, but I'm going to give it my best and I, I feel good about it. All right, let's dive right in. We've got a new location. We've got a new date, the 28th version of the OG Million moves to Worldwide Technology Raceway near St. Louis, Missouri. Tracks actually just over the border into Illinois, September 12th through 16th. Now, we speculated on this back in what late October, shortly after the last running of the million down in Montgomery, Alabama. And Gateway, the, the racetrack formerly known as Gateway, now known as Worldwide Technology Raceway, was one of the possible options, good options, that we discussed. What's your take? Million moves to Gateway. Well, I'm sad. First and foremost, obviously, it was in my home state. It was easy for me. And it was, um, it was, had been there long enough, Luke, it had become tradition. And I, I really enjoyed it, although it, it did move around a little in its history. And it moved temporarily to South Georgia for a year. It was back in capital city. And I was super excited about that. It obviously did not go as planned and they felt a, a change in venue was necessary for the quality of the event to, to deliver what they plan to deliver to the customer. So I respect the decision to move it. And if you have to move it, I would say they landed in a absolutely great spot. I think St. Louis is a beautiful facility. It's huge. It's uh, historic. It's known for uh, being able to host a large, large event. I think the staff there is qualified. Uh, obviously, a great timing system. Um, it, the city itself, where it is, offers a lot uh, to the to the customers surrounding the facility. Uh, I don't think it's extremely difficult to get to from a lot of places. It's obviously moved closer to Central America. So all in all, I think it's a home run move. Um, again, I would prefer it to be in my home state, but I think they really landed in a great spot. The The date on the calendar, it, it's it's still unknown for me. Um, I'm it not doesn't sure. matter. It doesn't matter. I'm not real sure it matters what I was going to say, but, you know, it, it is surrounded by a little bit more in terms of what the racer is, has available to them. And, and, you know, the, obviously the, the disposable income it's going to take to compete in everything around it. So I don't think it's going to have a huge impact Luke, uh, but it would not surprise me at all if it's just the same old OG million and has a monster crowd. The reason that I say that the date doesn't matter, I'm of the belief that all other events respond, react, adjust to something like the million. I think you put it anywhere and it works. It, it, it's going to have more effect on any races around surrounding it or, or that were scheduled on the same weekend than it would on that event. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that. At all. I think you you typically have a really good take on this, um, having done all the big money racing that you've done in your time. So I feel like um, it's going to be very, very successful, as always. And wishing them nothing but success. Um, 
you know, it's a, it's, it's a bit more challenging for me to try to be involved in it, uh, being that far from home. So uh, that's not a likely scenario, but, um, you know, I'm sure they're going to assemble a great staff as they always do. And they definitely know how to put on a great event. So it's going to be awesome. And, um, you know, I'm really going to be interested to see the impact from the East coast, how, how many don't make it versus west of the Mississippi, how many say, okay, well, now we can make it. So, you know, we might, uh, we might finally get one of those um, west of the Mississippi racers to claim the, the big check, um, one of those racers out west that we always talk about. So it's going to be very interesting. I think it's going to lend itself to a, to a very large audience, and it should be really good. It's interesting because from a personal standpoint, we're in completely opposite boats, right? It's it's come to yeah. come to my backyard, basically. Uh, the the racetrack yeah. near St. Louis is two hours from my house. Um, so where I haven't attended that event in several years now, I'm trying to think of the last time I went, maybe 18, 19, 18. Um, it's it's hard to imagine passing it up um two hours from home. It, it, even if I just roll in for Friday for the big show, right? In in which is complete juxtaposition to to where you're at. Um, a couple of thoughts when, when we speculated about where this would move when, well, I want to say when it seemed imminent that, that the million was not going to return to capital city, but they basically took any, any, any notion that we might've had there. There, there was no speculation. Like two days later, there was a post saying it's not coming back to capital city that there was, I think that got backed up on a little bit since, or at least that was the feeling around it. But, um, it, it, it seemed a certainty that it was going to find a new location. When we speculated on where it would end up, as I mentioned earlier, Worldwide Technology Raceway was one of the tracks that we mentioned. It's also not the track that either of us assumed it would go to. And at least on my end, um, that wasn't really any reflection on Worldwide Technology Raceway. I just didn't think that it would go there because I, in my mind, at least it wasn't the easy decision. Like, I don't think that the folks had a pre-established relationship with Worldwide Technology Raceway. It was a little bit outside the geographic footprint. Like, I just thought it would be easier to fall on something a little bit more familiar. But with this being the decision, honestly, I think it's a great option for all of the reasons that you listed and, and more. Like, I, I look at it as two ways. Why, why do we think it'll work? You touched on some of that and what maybe gives you pause to think that it could be a home run. Why it'll work, as I mentioned earlier, when we talk about the date, it'll work because it's the freaking OG million. Whether it's in Montgomery or Memphis or Darlington or St. Louis or Boise, Idaho, it's going to work because it's the freaking OG million. I think this is a good move in terms of being a central location, like you had mentioned, easy to get to from a lot of different places, right? It all depends on perspective and where you're coming from as to whether or not you really like the location, but it is centrally located. It is a, a top-notch facility, obviously a national events facility um, the, with a ton of room and a ton of parking. Like, I don't think you could fill the place. Um, as we mentioned on a previous episode, the, the parking is, the layout is a little bit odd. You know, you're going to be very scattered across the facility, but it'll house easily eight, 900 cars, right? Um, and it's an awesome place. It's an excellent time of year. 
which I can attest to. That's actually the date that we've, the last couple of years, had our JEG Summer Door Car Shootout two hours away. So obviously we'll be adjusting that. <laughs> like I mentioned earlier, the other races will adjust to the million. Um, but it is, it's it's a great date. It's a great time of year in this area. And I will say this, I could be wrong because you, you could say this to some extent for any facility that you move an event like this to, but the local racers in that area will support this. And so, so you say, well, the local racers in Memphis supported it. The local racers in Montgomery supported it. That's true. But my impression of the, the racers surrounding those venues, the racers that would come and support that would support it just about anywhere. Like the Montgomery crowd would show up in Memphis. The Memphis crowd that 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 came to the million in Memphis would come to the, Memf to the million in Montgomery. There's a group of racers that call them gateway racers, if you will, but just racers from this general area that will support an event like that in their backyard that won't go maybe not even to Memphis, certainly not to Montgomery. And I just, and, and it's a significant chunk. Like I could probably list off 50 to 100 racers that don't typically attend the million dollar race that I'm sure won't miss it being in St. Louis. So that's a, a feather in the cap of, of moving it here. While we stay on the positives, like, do you have anything to add that I didn't touch on? Why, why this is a good move? Luke, is as silly as this might sound, and it's certainly not a knock on Montgomery, but you're, the, the OG Million is, um, I guess, appealing to people that are pretty successful in life. Uh, they, they have very, very nice equipment. They have nice equipment that they haul their car with and their car is nice equipment. There are people that won't race in a facility that they are not sure of the parking. There's people that won't go to the facility when they're concerned about mud or grass or dirt. Uh, you, you eliminate that with a facility uh, like uh, worldwide technology. So I think that you know, there's a possibility this thing even grows because no one will have those concerns. They're not going to have concerns that, oh man, there's an 80% chance of rain one day. And if I don't get there a week early and try to get parked, there's a chance my pits are going to be flooded and nasty and I won't even be able to get out. So when you eliminate things like that, I think that, that it lends itself to, to a very uh, high rate of success. On the flip side, if we could think of reasons that this move would give you pause as to the success of the event, I can, I can personally, I can only come up with two and I can debunk them pretty easily. Like I, overall, I'm, I think this is a great move. The first cause for concern I'd have is a location while central that is outside of the, the traditional footprint of the OG million. We talked about this on a pre prior episode. While the event has moved around, with the exception of the, the lone excursion, the poker run, as it was called, to, that ended in, in Muncie, Indiana, if we throw that out, the million stayed in a pretty tight footprint, right? Basically, you're talking Memphis to Montgomery with, the, with an excursion, a couple of excursions into Georgia. Now we move that north, right, to, to St. Louis. And 
I think you made an interesting point earlier, the the Southeast crowd, like the Carolinas, Eastern Tennessee, it'll be interesting to see because that that's they supported that race in Montgomery traditionally strongly. Will the added miles impact that crowd? I think uh, inevitably it will to some extent. And the question will be how much of the Midwest and 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 west of the Mississippi racers now will make the trip that wouldn't have before to offset that. My impression is that that will offset and, and maybe even be stronger than many think. The argument that I would have against the fact that, hey, the, the location is outside the footprint and it's too far north, Memphis worked. Like Memphis really worked. It's hard to compare apples to apples to that day and age to recent years in Montgomery because that niche of our sport has blown up so much. But at the time, the biggest millions ever were in Memphis. And it was, again, a little bit further west, a little bit further north, more of a central location. And if Memphis worked, St. Louis is 200 miles north of Memphis. Like it's not that far away, right? Um, even with gas prices being so high, I don't know if this resonates for you, Jed, but to me, the country still feels smaller than it ever has. I don't think that traveler con travel concerns are what they were 20, maybe even 10 years ago. Like, I just feel like if it's a race you want to go to, you're going to figure out a way to get there. Um, so I, I don't think that the location is really as much of a concern, and it could actually be more of a benefit to the event than a hindrance. Yeah, I agree with that, Luke. And, you know, I spoke about the date and where it lands on the schedule and you said it doesn't matter. And I agree with that. I really do. It's the OG million. It's a destination race for people. And it's a tradition for people that are going to get there from wherever they got to get there. In most cases, I think the opportunity to compete, I guess, in that area of the country and maybe even a little farther east week to week to week with a lot on the schedule might even entice some people to to drive some extra miles you know if you're if you're in the east and you're coming you're going to obviously hit columbus and then you're going to get to st louis but you know if you're if you're from the st louis area or anywhere around there a couple hundred miles maybe you go a little east of columbus and then come back home and if you're from the west you know columbus st louis is not a not a hop skip and a jump but it's it's nothing in comparison to the thousand miles that you've already driven to get there. So maybe you come out here, go a little farther east, hit a race, and then come back, hit a race on your way back home. I just think landing in the schedule where there's an opportunity to do some of those uh, bucket list events back to back is going to entice some people to, to go the extra few hundred or even thousand miles to, to come from the west so i really think we're going to see a heavy influence from what we consider the west out here the event that you're referring to the the summer fling columbus it falls the weekend prior to the og million now in st louis and i do i think that this announcement actually benefits that fling event pretty significantly just for that reason i think you're going to have a lot of as as crazy as it sounds to so many of us to think who in the world can take two weeks off to go racing? There will literally be hundreds of racers that are at both of those events. So, and I think that'll help Columbus. Yeah, I agree. The other I think it's definitely going to help Columbus. And it, it, you know, Columbus is not going to be near the investment of the million. So for the people 
making this kind of trip and that kind of investment, Columbus is going to be an easy little extra spend for them to, to make, again, two bucket list races back to back. The other pause for concern is one, again, that I, that I shared originally, I think, when we talked about where to, to move this event. And it is the, the potential for personality conflicts between a, a pretty strong leadership, pretty vocal leadership within the million dollar race and a, a pretty strong, pretty vocal leadership. At least that's my uh, impression of it at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Like there is the potential for conflict there of who's the boss, right? And, and to be completely frank, the, the million dollar race, it doesn't have a good track record in recent years. I don't know who, I'm not here to place blame one way or the other, but it's bounced around. It's been, it, it, it's changed facilities each of the last three years. The pushback that I would give on that being a recurring issue is this. I believe my, my perception is that the Folk family and the OG million dollar race powers that be are very, very aware of this perception that they can't work with racetracks, that the race feels disorganized, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think they realize as much as we do, as much as anyone else does, that this event needs a stable home. And I think they're going to come into this event very much with that mindset, like I, I, checking the boxes in advance and, and working through potential disagreements. Like I think it would take a monumental disaster for this to, to dissipate to where this is a one-year thing. Like, I feel like this event has found a home for multiple seasons and maybe for a long time. Yeah, it may very well be the case. Like, uh, you, when you were discussing what are the potential downfalls, obviously your first year with a, with a new management team and a new facility has its share of challenges. If I were in the brain trust of the OG Million, I would take these last couple of years with the moves that we've made and write down the things that we think have fallen short of what we expect our customer to receive. And I think that gives you a great foundation for just covering some things up front so you don't you get the least amount of surprises possible. Uh, I'm sure the, the folk family is, is doing that in some form. Um, you know, I don't know much about the management team or the staff at uh, Worldwide Technology, but I, I, I have to believe that, you know, they they see so many different kinds of events. They they understand what it takes to to do their part and uphold their end of the contract. Uh, and I, I, I would think that uh, that's going to obviously produce great results. Uh, I wouldn't anticipate there being any major failures. Uh, there might be some minor ones, but uh, major ones I think will be avoided just from history and experience. I'm curious because I, you sh I feel like you should have a little bit better perspective on this than I do. We've obviously both promoted events, but you many more and, and, uh, and of a larger scale or magnitude. In my mind, the, the secret, so to speak, to, to overcoming that is simply planning and communication. In advance like is is that is the recipe that easy would you add to that the recipe really is that easy um you know it's obviously you got to be somewhere that you trust that 
when you do address something that it gets handled and that's the that's the unknown about a facility that you're at for the first time and a working with a team that you're working with for the first time but it it truly is that easy but you know honestly after you've done it this long and the folk family's done it a long time as well you you see those potential uh failures happening prior to happening you you as you're in the event and and things are flowing you you understand how it should be working and when something gets off track just a little bit you typically see it prior to everyone else if you're you know if you're in the middle of it watching it so i think um you know them having the ability to have a race director that doesn't have too many responsibilities other than making sure that this thing's flowing like it should that we are uh, making the calls in a timely manner and keeping continuity uh, in the program and with the with the staff there at Worldwide, uh, I would think that you know will produce again very good results. I, there's zero fear in my mind of of this thing having a major failure. All right, so. You tried to tee up the tremendous segue. You talked a little bit about Summer Fling Columbus. That's obviously the other big story that we get to touch on this week. Uh, I think it was on the last episode that we recorded. It's been a couple of weeks. Good to be back. It was. Good to be back. Should I put the glasses back on? No? Ah, you know, it wouldn't hurt just in case somebody's just now tuning in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's good to be back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So it was on our it was on our last episode, I believe, that uh, we did our best to to pick the the Big Twelve. Uh, if you've been living under a rock, Summer Fling Columbus, uh, the 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 headline event of that race is a one hundred thousand dollar All Star Shootout, forty eight cars, invitation only. The Fling selected their first twelve. We speculated on who those twelve drivers would be in our last episode. Uh, the Fling staff announced that yesterday. And just as a recap, the fling selects 12, the racers vote on the next 12. That's it gets us to 24. And then those 24 each pick a teammate to make up the 48 car field. So we had our guesses, Big Jed. We did pretty good. We got we got nine out of the 12. Solid. I actually, I thought we'd do a little better. I, I really thought we'd get 10 or more. I did as well. The Fling made their announcement yesterday. I actually, I think I can get tricky here for the video audience. I think I can actually share this so that we can look at it. All right, run me through the invitees. Well, first and foremost, and and this is not something that we typically discuss, but you know they've just announced the the presenting sponsor for for this, which is Fuel Factory, and I, I think. Uh, that's a brand that is new to a lot of people, not familiar with it, but it's it's people in our world that live and breathe sportsman drag racing. So I think uh, everybody needs to get familiar with Fuel Factory. I think that'll be a, a, a really good thing for for what we love to do. But Luke, as speculated by many outside of the Bogaki household, or at least the, the male part in that, you are on the list of the of the 12 racers and um you know you you had your questions about your humble pie 
led you to, well, I'm not sure I, I would be a guy that they would pick, you know, I hadn't done a whole lot of that lately and this and that, but if we're truly trying to pick one of the 12 best racers in what we do, you are very deserving and should be on the list. So great to see you make it. Um, obviously we picked some of these other guys. We'll run down the list, the rabbit, Kevin Brannon, um, an easy choice. Uh, this guy is unbelievably talented. Kyle Cotrera, uh, having an, a monster dream 12 months, if not longer, really as long as 24 at least, but Kyle certainly deserving. Matt Dadis, um, this guy, he had a great winter series. He just continues to get it done. Very, very impressive and, and so likable. Um, Johnny Ezel, Johnny Brackett racer, although has been a little quiet in terms of huge wind lights, I guess in comparison to what he has produced over the last 24 months or maybe even 36 months, his last 12 months has been a little quiet, but still had been major for most of us. And he is a, a talent that has to be on this list. Um, obviously, Corey Galitti was one that I think we debated a little bit on. Uh, you know, has Corey uh, been in the game long enough to, to reach the status of getting in the, the top 12? Obviously, he reached that. We all know Corey's as good as there is out there, but that's one. The more I thought about, we we bricked on that. I'll, I'll get more on that later. That that's one that that's one that I think we should add. Yeah, you know, it's an easy choice, but it's also a difficult one just because of his age. But you shouldn't let age really be a factor here. Um, obviously, Nick Hastings, this young man made the list of twelve swapping feet. Uh, which again, we discussed when we picked him in our 12, uh, that's a, he's an amazing talent and, and will arguably be one of the best to ever do this when he's done, if he's not already. Peeps Pennington, the peep show doesn't race a whole lot on the big scene, but by God, he wins. This doesn't guy race a whole lot, period. He just yeah. wins when he does. This guy is so talented and, and really happy to see the peep show on the list. Another one that we debated because he has, has taken quite a bit of time away from the track lately, but when he gets there, he performs very well. Uh, from a legendary standpoint, very easy choice. Do I think he's plenty talented enough to be on the list today? Absolutely. But we just wasn't sure what the list had in mind, but the, the panel obviously picked him scotty richardson um arguably again the best to ever do it as you say he and peter 1a and 1b really don't put either one in either spot so when you're the best to ever do it uh, obviously you do you deserve to be on the list jeff sarah a talent like no other that we've seen and maybe ever will see again you know, there was a time when holding a bunch of numbers was kind of natural and cool. That time is not anymore, but he still seems to be able to do it with so much success. He's bringing it back, baby. He is bringing it back. It's incredible what he does. And then, obviously, the Williams brothers. Gary Williams, um, a guy that's, you know, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, top five in history to ever do it. 
Uh, no one can argue that deserves to be on the list. Troy Williams Jr. right alongside him. Uh, you know, he's going to be a top five, top 10 talent when he's all said and done. Uh, a guy that a, a pair of brothers that has accomplished more than any pair of brothers in the history of bracket racing. And certainly they are bringing another Williams along with them that is producing great results. And Donovan, I've seen a lot of love for him. Maybe a lot of people thinking he should have been on the list, but the Williams brothers, very deserving. I don't think you could argue against anyone on this list, Luke. The only question I have for you is knowing that Peter Biondo would have been in this rather easily. Who would you have left out to put Peter in? I don't, I think he would have had to make 12, 13. No, it's an easy decision. You'd take me off the list. Oh, um, I knew you were going to say that. that well, gets a little bit of, a little bit of humble pie right here on the corner, but listen, there was, there's, like I said, we got nine of the 12, right? So there are three on this list that we didn't predict. We discussed all of them, right? It's, it's myself. It's Troy Williams Jr. It's it's Corey Galitti. Um, I won't. I, I gave all of the reasons that I don't feel like I, I I belong here last time. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that. I'll just step back and say it's pretty freaking cool. It's a huge honor, right? To to be included in this list, invited to an event like this. So it's awesome. Like I said, I I don't personally feel like I'm deserving, but at this point, I'll, I'll set that aside and say thanks. Really cool stuff. Um, the other two that that were included that we didn't have, I mean, you, no one's going to argue with including Troy Williams Jr. in this list or Corey Gladiator. I mentioned Corey earlier. I thought about this before this was released. Like of the names that that we discussed and were close, like if there's one that we just miss on, it's Corey. Like I think he should have probably been included in this. And I'll admit, at least personally, there's a little bit of, of bias here, not against Corey. Like he's he's a great great kid, heck of a racer. But just the, there's so much subjectivity in this, in that we're all a, a prisoner of our own experiences. And it's not as if there aren't other names on this list that have just knocked it out of the park in the last three or four years. But they're all guys that knocked it out of park in the last three or four years that I raced with when I did a bunch of this big dollar bracket racing. And I knew we're good. They just hadn't broken through. Like Kyle Cotrera, I knew he was awesome. 10 years ago, right? You just finally kind of put it all together, got enough confidence that he's winning on that huge stage. Same with Jeff Sarah. Like I watched him develop this, this uncanny um, talent that, he, that he's built for himself, this crazy skill set. And I think it was, you know, we've, we had discussions about it on this show. Like, you know, there's a guy that should win more than he does, right? And it's, and it's Jeff Sarah. I was saying that four or five years ago and then, you know, look at what he's doing. So, Corey's one that like just burst onto the scene because of his age about the time that I got out of this, you know, this big dollar bracket racing world. So I haven't really got to see firsthand what he does. And I think that that just inherently makes me a little bit biased against it. And so, like I say, when I zoom out and see what he's accomplished in a short period of time and what he just continues to do week after week, it's kind of hard to argue that he wouldn't be included here. I don't know who I would take off. Of yeah, very well list. said. Very well said. Obviously, uh, we we discussed Corey quite a bit this year. He he's had a a very large number of those five, ten, twenty thousand dollar range wins, um, just because that's the the route he's chosen to take in, in terms of events that he's supported. So, 
um, he's arguably won as much or as many times as anyone on this list this year. It just hasn't been some of the marquee races that he's won at, but I mean, he's, he's continued to win on a very high level for several years now, even at such a young age. So, um, very deserving to be on the list, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, again, I know that through what I've seen on social media, there's some people that feel like, okay, there were, there were some easy choices left off the list, but I would tend to disagree with that. I, I think, um, there, there might've been some, some logical choices that could have been on the list. You might could have justified someone being on the list had they made it in place of one or two of these guys, but you don't have an argument. No one has an argument against the 12 that's on the list. I don't think you can debate that and say they don't deserve to be on the list and this person does. So I think no, they that's, made a, a that's, solid the, that's the trick to this. You could say, X, Y, and Z should make this list. And, and I, I can't argue with that, but then you got to take A, B, and C off. Like who, tell me who you're going to take off, right? That said, let, let's just run through this. Yeah. You know, we picked our 12, we got nine of them, right? We hit on Jeff Sarah, Gary Williams, Kevin Brandon, Kyle Coltrera, Matt Dattis, Peeps Pennington, Johnny Ezell, Nick Hastings, Scotty Richardson, right? Had those nine. The three that we picked that didn't appear and again, super subjective, but if there's one that I would say I, I don't have a problem with, and all of this is mute because every, everybody that we discuss is going to get in this race. There's not chosen in the first 12, right? The three that we missed on, Shane Carr, Nick Folk, Stephen McCrory. If there's one exception I take with the list, and again, like I'm not going to raise hell about this. He's getting in. It's champ. Like, how do you list off the 12 best racers in the country right now and, and not include him? Like, in my mind, he's like top five. So that I feel like is the only thing that I had take even the slightest issue with. Like I say, Shane and Nick, awesome. I think they deserve to be in the top 12, but they're getting in. You know what I mean? And and that when you get beyond the, the obvious eight or nine, like it's super subjective at that point. So I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but I feel like champ deserved to be on here. Yeah, very well said. It, you know, if, if you'd put Champ in place of, of one or two or maybe three of these names, no one could argue that. And and we know Champ's getting in. I I know that this was a panel, so I don't I don't want anybody to take this out on any one individual just because Peter's name's on the, the event. Obviously he had a he had a brain trust and a panel involved in this and it was a point system. So the 12 landed as they were. I'm sure Champ got plenty of votes and plenty of points in his favor. Just didn't work out. But um, if I'm on this list, as uh, soon as it's announced and I don't see Champ's name, you know, I'm grabbing the phone. I'm not going to text. I'm going to just go on and call and say, hey, I, I know you're probably getting in this next 12, but if you don't, if for some reason you pissed off the world so bad that that they don't pick you, the racers don't pick you, brother, I want you on my team because uh, he's obviously getting in in the next 12. But if he doesn't, for some reason, I would certainly be trying to pick him. I guess unless I'm G-Dub. How cool is this going to be, Luke, for G-Dub to put his son on yeah. his team and they battle they battle everyone for 100 grand? That would be cool. That's going to be cool. Be cool. And I'm, you know, I'm very interested to see who they pick as teammates, 
but he's got to pick Donovan if, if, Luke, Donovan's not in this next 12. Yeah, that's what's going to be interesting Which because the, the fan vote element of this, like this could this could get sideways too. You know, <laughs> like the fan vote very much becomes a popularity contest. Yes. It's hard for me to envision a world in which any of the names that we just mentioned, whether it's Champ or Nick Folk or Shane Carr or Donovan Williams, it's hard for me to imagine a world where they're not voted in in these next 12. But again, like there's a there's an element of randomness when you get to the fan vote. It'll be interesting to see the next 12 and then obviously the the draft from there. It's gonna be pretty cool. It's a neat format. Kudos to, to Pete and his staff for coming up with this. Um, just if nothing else, like it's a it's a PR dream. I mean, we've dedicated two episodes to this already. Why else would we be talking about the flings in January? <laughs> yeah. I got. I got. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got. It's good stuff. Glasses. So the 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 visual, the the live audience can appreciate my my 2023 glasses. Yes. People listening to the podcast are like, what is he talking? About? I got to get rid of them. So anyway, race. We actually we've got but, real. But looking at the to talk about. Oh, what you got? Yeah, that's just, that definitely, I was going to say, looking at the list and some of the names, and we're about to talk about some of these names having some great performances uh, down in Bradenton at the SFG uh, Christmas event that they had down there. So uh, obviously we're, we're about to talk about some of the reason these guys deserve to be on this list. Yeah, this is pretty incredible when we look back on this is an event that took place uh, the weekend prior to Christmas and the big winners from the, the season ending big dollar race, the the Bradenton, uh, the SFG Christmas bash in Bradenton, um, the big winners from there, it felt like a bit of a microcosm from 2022. It seemed fitting that the the winners and let's be frank, like the finalists in the, the biggest events there we're all really the guys that had the best 2022 seasons. The, the two $75,000 to win main events were won by Kevin Brannon and Matt Battis. The 50 grander leading up to it won by Corey Galitti. And the finalists even in those, Kevin Brannon defeated Kyle Cotrera in that $75,000 final. Matt Battis knocked off Will, Coll- Will Holloman. I mean, you just take those five guys, you could make an argument that those are the five guys that had the best 2022 seasons and they all finish it in style it it does it seems fitting yeah that's a great point luke you know obviously uh they've had a great year but um taking the trip to the winter series down there and and running the sfg event and for seventy five thousand dollars in your year is just uh it just caps off a great season for those racers uh obviously you know again on the list of 12 Will Holloman is a racer that's going to end up in this shootout in one way or another. He's either going to be someone's teammate or he's getting in that next 12. So um, Brian Folk got the 20K opener win over Jeremy Bargo. Um, Both Brian and Nick are likely to be in this shootout as well. So um, a a lot of talented guys with great seasons behind them wrapping it up. In, in excellent style and look at that looked like a, a full field. I think that race had a 400 max and actually went above that just a little bit, like some of the, the capped races do. So, um, you know, SFG looked like they, they ended the season in style as well with a, with a great event down there in Bradenton. It's a good By time. By the way, that year. was supposed to have been, 
Yeah, that was supposed to have been three uh, or four fifties, just so everybody understands exactly where the 75s come from. Uh, they had a rain out, so they took that 50 and split it among two other races and made them 75s instead of a 50. It's a good time of year to uh, to spend some time in sunny South Florida, right? I'm sure, it was a lot nicer than where I was at. Uh, one yeah, I was at we, work. <laughs> one name that we uh, we skipped over, uh, and and I don't want to don't want to uh, to cut him short. Logan Back was the other finalist that we did we didn't discuss. He was the runner up to Corey Galitti in that first fifty grander, and again. The fact that our finalists from this event read like a who's who of 2022, it's convenient for me, Big Jed, because I feel like it furthers my theory. Are you getting on board with this yet? That that this relatively small group of traveling racers that gets the, gets the opportunity to compete at this level week in and week out has separated themselves from everyone else in, in, a, in a world where our competition is so cutthroat. There is so much parity. The the discrepancy between winning and losing is so thin. And yet we continue to see, what is it? You probably picked two dozen names that just seem to win repeatedly. And I, I do think it is just, it's not, to be clear, I don't think that this is because they get more opportunities than everyone else. I feel like it's because the opportunities that they get at the level that they compete on Iron sharpening iron racing against one another separates this group from the rest. Yeah, look, when you compete with the best, obviously you learn uh, how to how to battle every strategy known to to racing. So these guys are are good at spot drops. They're good at getting behind and setting in. They're good at um, whatever trick it takes to to take a few thou and, and still run the number and kill what you got, what you're holding. So yeah, obviously the reason they get so many opportunities on the track is because the wind light keeps coming on and that, that produces another opportunity to, to have iron sharpening iron or sharpen your own iron in any way possible. So, um, you know, do I, do I think that it's, that, that people that just run around and do this big money bracket racing, have an advantage i wouldn't say it's an advantage because you're more talented than most others i would just say it's you know obviously something that you've uh, learned and earned and you are just hard to beat uh, i don't i don't think that gives you an advantage but uh, certainly you know I, I think when you line up with one of these racers it works on you mentally a little bit uh, it's uh, it, it challenges your mental game, and I think a lot of people that they compete with uh, try to tend to do something outside of what they what they typically do. You know, you might pull a few thou out of the box. You might try to hold an extra hundredth. You might try to do some things that you're not totally comfortable with. And anytime you can get someone out of their routine, their game, I think that helps you turn on a wind light as long as you're staying disciplined to your routine. So. Uh, I believe all those things lead to more wind lights for, for the people that we just discussed. Big Jed, how about the final round matchup in that Friday $75,000 to win event between Kevin Brandon and Kyle Coltrera? Is it possible? We'll have the potties here. It might be our next episode. We, the potties have to be coming up, right? 
Is it possible that that matchup, KB versus Coltrera, was the matchup for driver of the year 2022? You know, that is very possible. Absolutely possible. Yeah, that's uh, definitely something to think about. Man, it, there were some massive matchups this year. Um, you know, I think we have one, if I remember right, for for like the, the matchup of the year or something along those lines. You know, there there were uh, there were obviously some huge matchups uh, and points implications in some series around the country and things. So be some good stuff to consider. But driver of the year. Those two will have to be certainly very high on the list to consider. So. I, I, I think you can make the argument that they're the top two. And another name that, that came out the day after that, they those two ran in the final and won that last 75 grander, Matt Battis. I mean, I don't even feel like I want to say he's quietly had a great year. I don't know that it's been that quiet. Does he have a seat at that table for the, the driver of the year conversation? Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, one, one thing that, you know, you consider I, one thing I consider like Brannon has done it. He did this in his door car. That 75 mm-hmm. grander was done in his door car. He he shows that little bit of versatility there between driving the door car and the dragster. And he has continued to win on a high level in both of those vehicles. Matt Dattis has done it in three or four different door cars. And this 75K win came in the Camaro that he just recently purchased, put his touch on it, got his products on it, and just basically went down there to Florida and paid for the darn thing. So, you know, I, that's that's talent. It really is. It, it, the talent starts with how you prepare the vehicle and, and then prepare yourself mentally. And to just take basically a new ride down there and, and go do what he did again, shows a, a great amount of versatility on his part and, uh, and something that, that makes me favor racers like that that show that kind of versatility. Agreed 100%. You, you talked about showing out in the door car. I want to say, did you see this? But I know you saw this because we, we communicated about this in the moment. Taylor Rich. Okay, Taylor Rich was the runner-up on the, on the door car side of that last event to, to Matt Dattis. And the reason this is notable, Taylor Rich was driving his father Jason's, what is that thing? It's a Willys. It looks like a damn gasser. And it's the, like a 39 Chevrolet or something. Okay. You just have to picture this. I'm, I'm in a motel room in Gulfport, Mississippi at Christmas on the coast, which we're going to talk about here momentarily. And I think to myself, I wonder what's going on in Brayton, right? So I get my phone out, live feed. Here come Matt Dattis and Taylor Rich rolling around door car final. I'm like, wow, how about how about that hoop or whatever being in the final? That's impressive. You don't see that every day. And then they scrolled to the scoreboards and I went, they got his dial in wrong. But they didn't. He's down 503 in this coop that sits two feet off the it, it don't look like it should go 603, big jet. <laughs> It's got the blower sticking out. It's got the crazy hood scoop on top of it. It's way higher than the roof. It, it looks like a Hot Wheels car. And then they proceed to talk about it. I'm like, how in the world is this thing going 503 made the final? And then I proceed to listen to the announcer say that Taylor Rich has not only advanced to the door car final, he has now clinched the weekend points championship at one of the biggest races of the year. What in the wide world of sports is going on, Jed? Uh, obviously 
when you're watching this car online, Luke, it looks like what kind of hodgepodge is somebody, you know, it's just several different colors or a couple of different colors. And it's got this, this scoop sticking up, you know, a foot above the roof of the car. It's already a big car. It's huge. It's got a wing coming out of it where the trunk lid should be. Uh, it, it's, it is, it doesn't look normal. Okay. It looks like something out of a cartoon. I parked by, beside Jason Rich at uh, at the OG Million this year, and and I had an opportunity to really look this thing over. This car is very well built. It really is. It's a it's a beautiful piece of art when you look at it just front to back. It's really an incredible race car and capable of of these crazy ETs, but. Luke, just the way it looks, I, I told Jason I wouldn't get out of the electric chair to get in it. I mean, I just tell him, go ahead, just pull it, pull the switch. I, this thing's scary. It, he would crank it up and just move it around sometimes around our pit, and it's just scary just sitting there running. So, I, uh, I I'm not sure. I'm not sure I could get the um, testicular fortitude to to crawl in it and make a lap. So good for Taylor Rich, number one, and then to go win the the weekend points. In that event, with that kind of talent and equipment, and take that beast and get it done, that's talent, brother. Congratulations, Taylor Rich. That he uh, he's the MVP of the weekend to to win the point series in that wild looking hot rod. I, I see a comment just came through, and and I was actually thinking about this in the moment, and we didn't have it in the show notes. But there was a, a big to do around the uh, the jackpot drawing at the at the Bradenton SFG event. I think that Corey Galetti got back in that 50 grander on the jackpot. Datus may have done the same on the last day. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Um, thoughts in general, because there's a there's a there's an odd feeling around that as it goes. I've, I've got some thoughts. But I'll throw it to you first. Um. Luke, I really don't know how to dress this up, and there's no lipstick for this pig. <laughs> hate it. Agreed. Absolutely hate it. Um, this this type of racing is so expensive. It's it's so important to people when they eliminate that kind of talent from the race, and for for that, you know for that format to allow an opportunity for people to get back in, in something so big and so huge on the racing landscape. I hate that. I'm not a fan whatsoever of any kind of jackpot or opportunity for racers to get back in the race, especially now you're back in, there's eight, people that got back in they say well only one advances to round seven yeah but eight people got the opportunity so it's not just the guy that got back in that advanced to round seven and ultimately ends up winning the race it's eight people that got another opportunity that was eliminated not a fan whatsoever just to to be clear for any of our listeners that may not understand the format it's is it following fourth round Following yes. fourth round well, of the event. Four, no, fourth, fifth, and sixth is the shootout. Fourth right. is where they okay, get so, back in. Okay, so following third round. 
the uh, they have a drawing basically you can buy as many entries into the drawing as you want they draw eight door cars eight dragsters to essentially get back into the race now those eight run separate for the next three rounds and then eventually one dragster one door car get reinserted into the race which would be round seven which is usually 10-ish or less cars left so someone that had been eliminated from the race gets the opportunity buys back in runs through this field um, yeah, I'm with you. We talked about this when they first introduced it. And I, I believe the inception of this was around the, the first um, half million at, at uh, up at Martin, maybe the first 1.1. It was one of the big events. And the justification that we had for it at the time was, ah, I don't like the feel of this, but if this is what it takes to guarantee whatever the purse was, you know, half a million dollars, million dollars, like, okay, we'll live with it. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Like it just, uh, I'm with you a hundred percent in that. I don't know. I feel like I'm the, I'm the, the old head, like, Hey, get off my lawn because I know people were talking in this manner about buybacks, you know, 30 years ago, but it just doesn't feel right. Like it's a single elimination tournament. I don't like the, op the, the thought of having to run someone in round seven that was out in round three. Right. Um, and it feels like a money grab, right? So it, it, it feels dirty in that regard. The and to be completely honest, like whether there is fire to the smoke, like there's so much speculation of impropriety around the, the SFG events, or I think impropriety may not be the right word, but there is the the suspicion certainly of multiple house cars. And it seems like the the cars that everybody thinks are house cars are almost like inevitably involved in these jackpot races. Like that doesn't have a good feel to it either. Again, I don't know, I'm not accusing anyone of anything i'm not saying that there's fire to that smoke but that just seems to heighten that perception and but the one pushback that i'll have because i don't know the details of all of this blowing up it seemed like it was a big deal uh, from people that were watching or were maybe on hand at bradenton but this isn't new like you didn't go to that race not knowing that this was the format this is what they've done at every sfg event for three or four years like why I don't like it. I haven't liked it since day one, but I don't understand why is it such a big firestorm now? Um, I didn't see much of a firestorm. Um, I know there were some people that, that didn't like it and some people defended it. I think anytime one of the, the most talented and well-known racers in the country gets the win as a result of it, it obviously... Uh, heightens the awareness and makes it more of a subject. So I think probably Corey Gulitti getting in on it and winning the three-round shootout and advancing is probably what caused uh, a firestorm if if there was one. You know, had that been an unknown racer, people probably say, "Oh man, that's really cool. He was able to get back in, hmm. and and what a what a big deal, what a dream come true." But it's Corey Gulitti, so I think Corey, obviously having the name he has, probably caused what you saw. If I just yeah. had to, to try you bring to bring up a good it. point there too, like it is sort of a, it could go either way. You know what I mean? It could be a feel good story if it was if it was someone else, right? No, nothing against Corey, obviously. And to the the other end of that is like, uh, don't hate the player, hate the game. Like I saw people like kind of knocking on on Corey for this. Like he's just doing what he can with the rules provided. You know what I mean? This ain't Corey's fault. It's just a, it's a structure that sure. I don't much care for. Right. Um, all right. So we'll transition away from SFG. We'll go what two weeks later, new year's nationals, same facility, uh, Bradenton, Florida. And 
there's not a whole lot to say here, but Gage Birch, good at racing. Really good at the New Year's Nationals. Yeah, I think he's going to make it, Luke. I think he's got think a, be a right. real shot at, at being good in this sport. Um, uh, obviously, the New Year's Nationals uh, down in Bradenton, it's it's a creation of Rob Reynolds and Bill Murray. Um, I don't know how many years they've been doing this, but it's been quite a few. And they have had some extremely large crowds and, and you know, had some so many that it's caused them some challenges this year. The crowd was perfect. I think they landed in that 450 range, which is a, a great, great crowd for them. And it's certainly a manageable crowd for the, the uh, event quality and the racers experience. So happy for those guys. Look like a job well done by them as always. And as you mentioned, Luke, Gage Birch, incredible talent. Um, certainly a guy that I saw a lot of love for in that top 12 picks Um I don't think he could have argued against Gage had he landed on the list. Uh, he's not not a guy that you could say he doesn't deserve to be on the list. And Gage is certainly going to be on the list. If he doesn't get picked in the next 12, he'll be someone's partner. So looking forward to seeing him get hip to Columbus and uh, and get to compete. But he did dominate the no box category, Luke. It was, it was 10 granders for three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday with Sunday as a possible wrap-up day. Gage comes out in a borrowed car, wins Thursday, wins Friday, and then he goes runner-up on Sunday or Saturday, excuse me, to Dave Keaton, and Gage was doubled at four and had to eliminate himself <laughs> to make the final round. Fell short to a great run by Dave Keaton. Want to give Dave all the credit in the world for for making a super solid lap i think he was you know uh right around a 10 pack or a very low teen pack so good for him he he did very well but gage two wins and a runner up and and ran himself at four on the last day look that's uh that that's just about impossible to do because there was some crazy good talent on the bottom down there i watched a lot of the runs and heard a lot of great packages and I heard some good packages in the lane opposite of Gage that come up short. So again, very impressed by this young man, always have been, and apparently always will be a uh, humble young man, talented, confident, and just freaking hard not to like, just a fine young man and went out there and, and did something super special again. I, uh, I didn't catch the last bit of that until a day or two later, you know, at, at first I was like, Oh, Poor Gage, you know, he couldn't get the sweep, really fell short on the last day. And then I realized he had two entries in at four. And the only reason that, well, presumably the only reason he didn't run himself in the final is because he had to run himself in the semis. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, <laughs> Ten Granders on the top in Bradenton as well. Um, some familiar names winning there as well. Uh, Jeremy Bargo, Cam Fredrickson, Trip Claw. Cloth? How you say Trip's last name? Clow. There you go. Trip Plow graced the winner's circle in Bradenton. And I guess if we if we backtrack to the same weekend of the SFG event in Bradenton, the week prior to Christmas, you and I were at the same place. We previewed this a little bit on our last episode. We spent the weekend in Gulfport, Mississippi for the Christmas on the coast. It was the biggest junior dragster event 
possibly ever, the richest junior dragster event ever, to be certain. Um, I came away with this with a completely different perspective on junior drag racing and big dollar junior drag racing than I had coming in. What about you? Yeah, Luke, uh, uh, you know, something that impressed me the most was 39 of the, the lower 48 states uh, or, or continental 48 states or whatever you want to say. The only eligible states were represented, 39 of them. Uh, so seeing these racers come from all across the country. What was to, the breakdown you had? You got, you busted out the calculator for me. Did you come up with yeah, 81%? It was like 80, 81.2%, I think, of the, of the 48 states were represented. So, you know, that's, that's incredible to me. Um, first, so I would say kudos, shout out to the parents, the, the guardians, the grandparents, whomever got them there. Uh, to, to take these kids and to, to lead them to an experience like this at Christmas on the coast. Just a, a, amazing to me that, 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 that took place the way it did. Um, certainly shout out to Galen Rollison, Britt Cummings, Tommy Castaneda, the guys that, that put this event on there at Gulfport. Uh, phenomenal job with the flow, the, the whole I guess hoopla around the 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 individual races, making sure that everyone uh, I guess was celebrated properly. I love the the winter circle celebrations, the confetti, the the live feed that was there, the whole deal with with drag champ being so involved. Uh, certainly, some other great sponsors. I was you know. I was so excited that JJ got to do the announcing for the race. It was really special. Was great, getting, you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just in awe of him again, every time he gets on the mic for, he was 16 at the time, certainly just turned 17, but, um, well, now he was 17 at the time, actually just turned 17, but he's doing a great job. And for him to be the feature guy there was really cool for something so special. And I got a ton of great comments from, from people for his work. So I was really proud of him, but really when it's all said and done, Luke, these kids are so good. They are so good. That wind and wind on junior dragsters is a challenge. That wind was challenging. The temperatures were not perfect for junior dragster racing as we know the colder it gets the worse these things run they spit and sputter and pop and do all kind of goofy things the parents had them set up so good they they really have mastered their craft on making sure these cars run the way they're supposed to run and that kind of air and these kids luke they're driving like pros i mean i saw kids holding a tent and and setting it down to dead on and you know, killing, killing it the right way. We did see some that were a little too aggressive and some things didn't go the way they needed to go at the finish line. But for the most part, you know, these kids are doing all the things they will need. They're displaying all the talent they'll need to advance to the next level in racing. And was, I was just in awe, really was in awe of the talent and how well these kids uh, go down there and, and play their strategies out. Coming into this, and I, I, I'd made a, a Facebook post to this to this regard, but so I'll keep this relatively brief. But coming into this, like I'd never really been to a big money junior dragster race, and 
I was pretty guarded coming in. I, I, what I expected to see, I think, was a bunch of entitled kids, a bunch of helicopter parents, and like a, a way too big a focus on the wrong things. Like there's so much money on the line. Like it's all about win at all costs. Like that's I, there's a part of me that expected to see that. And that perception could not have been further from reality. Like the, for lack of a better word, the professionalism of the racers and the parents throughout and just the it was it had very much million dollar race vibes right like when the when the day of the 20 grand or the day of the invitational came around like it felt like being at the jegs all-stars it felt like being at the million dollar race there was an electricity in the air there was a sense of gratitude for being there you know for for being at this spot in history so to speak for the the racetrack and the event promoters to put on such a great show. There was a level of respect among the racers and the families involved. Like I just, I saw, I saw parents utilizing the competition as an opportunity to, to connect and, you know, to, to teach life lessons, like all the things that junior drag racing is really supposed to be about that. I, I just assumed would get thrown out of the window, out the window when the stakes got raised, it couldn't be further from the truth. It was awesome. And to your point, Jed, the competition I mean, I, I had an idea of what I was getting into there, but my goodness, I mean, we had a, we had a special uh, award, you know, a little race for the four best packages, one in each age group through this is bracket racing junior. There was two one thou packages, a seven thou package. And then we had one just for the separate, the, the young kids, you know, the, the seven to nine-year-olds and little Hutch Harger laid down like 20 total in that. You know what I mean? And that was, and it wasn't just the aberrational one pack. Like it was seemingly every other run. Some poor kid is 10 take nine for the L. I mean, it was, it was like being at a super pro race. It was, it was insane. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the, the talent level was incredible, but you know, these kids making great runs round after round after round and, and watching some really good runs come up short just had a vibe of of big money bracket racing that we've come to know and love when i pulled in i didn't get there till friday night as you know luke when i pulled in i thought the freaking million was there the rigs were incredible the rigs were huge they were taking up all the available space there the, the junior dragsters that rolled out of those rigs was incredible. There were so many beautiful cars there. And, you know, the worst part about it, Luke, I don't even think these kids understand. They don't, I, you know, they're just there having fun. They're just kids. They're doing what kids do. You know, they're, they're playing on their phone and running around like crazy on their four-wheelers in the pits. Uh, they don't understand how how blessed they are to get to do what they're doing at this stage in their life. I don't, I know some of them do, but most of them you could tell were just, you know, just any old race to them, which is probably a good thing in terms of them going out and racing, just relaxed and having a good time. But I hope they're soaking this in because well, this just, event was amazing. Let me just give you an example because my son is nine, right? And situational awareness when it comes to racing, low right? Like he's obviously been pretty jaded. We went there, we, we got to race a borrowed car. Like we were way over our skis, right? Like really not to that level at all, but Gary's getting ready to go up and race. And JJ announces like, Hey, this is the biggest junior dragster race ever. 
And my little nine-year-old's eyes light up and he goes, daddy, they just said it's the biggest junior dragster race ever. And I'm racing in it. And I could have melted. Like that was just the feeling that I got across the board. So it was, it was super cool. Um, obviously the, the, the headline events were the $20,000 twin main event, as well as the, the invitational, the invitational was super cool. The vibe around that throughout 64 racers from all over the country converged, uh, to race for basically all winner take all 10 grand to win, no entry fee. Like it was so cool. Just the, the electricity around that event and it was Austin free baby drag champ, right? This is not a baby at all. Austin's what, 16, 17. Um, yeah, <laughs> Gary Don Free's uh, son Austin was the the twenty thousand dollar main event winner over Cole Canarium, and Cole stole the weekend. Not only was Cole Canarium runner up in the twenty thousand dollar event, he went back, came back the next day to win the sixty four car ten thousand dollar Invitational, and that final big Jed. Like, I don't. I don't get emotional about too much in racing. And like, I wouldn't think I'd care about watching two kids go down the track that are going to be racing big cars next year if they're not already. But that final between Cole Canarium and Jesse Fritz, if I'm not mistaken for, for both of them, they're aging out of juniors. And I think Jesse went on and actually raced the new year's event in Bradenton to kind of put the tie, the bow on his junior dragster career. But think about that. There's two kids staging up. I think in Cole's case for the last time in a junior dragster and Jesse's case, one of the last times that he's ever going to stage a junior dragster. And they're on literally the biggest stage that I think there's ever been in junior dragster racing, racing each other for $10,000. Like that's a pretty neat final. It was very neat. And certainly considering that you had to be invited into that shootout based on your resume, we, you and I were both, um, um, on the panel to to pick these racers and it was blind resumes had no idea who we were picking uh looks like we you know we made some really good choices there although there were some good choices probably left off the list but coconarium that was his last time in a junior and to go out in the drag champ 64 car invitational and get it done had to be super special to him jesse fritz you can just watch this kid in the car and out of the car and see that he is a talent that is going to, to do wonderful, wonderful things in our sport. This kid's got a very level head. He understands the game finish line to, or starting line to finish line. And, and he's already winning in big cars. So he's uh, he's going to be a threat uh, for a long, long time. And then Austin free, in the, the borrowed car uh, representing drag champ his father's brand and winning the 20k in a borrowed car uh, that was a super special moment as well just the the whole the whole thing just seemed like right out of a movie it was it was amazing to watch these kids do what they do and as those final rounds were coming up and I was knowing what they're racing for and getting you know a little bit nervous myself they were all just calm and cool and doing their thing so it was really really fun to watch super proud of of everybody involved from the promotion team to all the the people that got these kids there and i i think it's worth noting too luke that the the other two semi-finalists in the twenty thousand dollar race were from tucson uh, tucson arizona to gulfport mississippi is a long freaking way and, and I think those racers represented uh, themselves very well. I know it was uh, Sarah Kidd and um, 
uh, Renault that uh, Jace. I think uh-huh. it was Jace. Okay, Jake. I was want to say Jake, but it was Jace. Yeah, Jace Renault. Uh, represented their their state and their racers out in Arizona very well. If people think that that racing's any different out there than it is out here, that's uh, that's obviously an indication that it's just as tough. So it was really cool, uh, a lot of fun to watch, and again, kudos to everybody and Bob. Agreed, one hundred percent. Jed, we've got a little game that we love to play here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. It has inspired the intro to the show. For a couple of years, listeners, if you're if you're not familiar, I have 10 names, Big Jed. I'm going to throw them out to you one at a time. And the challenge for you is to tell me whether this individual is a sportsman drag racer, a U.S. Olympic athlete, or an adult film star. We've done this, I think, two times in the past with, with mixed results. How you feel? Uh, Luke, um, I feel a little nervous because this is live and, uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> any, some of the subject matter here, I, I tend to, my justification process for why I pick what I pick sometimes can get a little on the edge. So I'm, I'm concerned. I'm nervous. I'm not nervous about the actual results. I think I'm going to crush this. But um, I was going to say nail it, but that probably is not appropriate Careful. for. Careful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but I, I feel like I'm going to crush this. I, I've actually got my, you know, got my goatee here. I'm working on this little bad boy, and uh, it's my first goatee ever. By the way, is it goatee or goat? E. I mean, what, what, what do you say? Is it goatee? Did I just say goatee? That's how I'd always referred to it. I could be wrong, but yeah, goatee. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So uh, I'm working on that. I feel like this has a little, this may be fitting for, for one of the choices that I could make when you give me the name, this might fit the, the stereotypical um, participant in that particular arena. So I'm pretty excited. I'm ready. I'm glad you reminded me this is live. All of a sudden I'm nervous too. George Hoff actually just brought up a really, <laughs> a really good point on the comments. Like though only on the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast can you have this segment immediately follow up 20 minutes on junior drag racing. You get that here, folks. That's why you're here. Oh, oh, so oh, so yeah, we just okay. So if the junior kids are tuning in and you wanted to hear about your event and live and all that, actually the show's over if you're <laughs> if you're a junior racer. Uh go ahead and tuck it in, little fellas and girls. Y'all go ahead and get to bed. And uh, Luke and I got a couple of things we need to talk about non-junior racing. Y'all go on and get tucked in, guys. Hi, right, big gentleman. Tee it up. Your first name. Jim Thing. Is Jim Thing. And I, I, could, I could be off on the pronunciation. I'll, I'll T-H-Y-N-G. It could be Jim Ting. I don't, I'm not really sure. Jim Thing Ting. <laughs> Thing. Is Jim a sportsman drag racer, a U.S. Olympic athlete, or an adult film star? Jim Thang. There you go. Or Tang. Or because if he's Jim Tang, that might make him fit one of these categories. If he's Jim Thang, <laughs> that, that could very open to put him in another one. So yes. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm going to say it's uh, it's not Jim Thang, 
I'm going to say as Jim Tang. And that's a real ritzy name. That's a, that's a, you know, this guy was, had a, probably a butler when he was a kid that, that fixed his meals and, you know, laid his clothes out and got him to and from, uh, this is rich kid stuff. This is a kid that is definitely uh, turned into a person that is entitled and, and has worked hard at some kind of odd U.S. or some kind of odd Olympic sport, probably fencing or something like that. So I'm going U.S. Olympic athlete for Jim Tang. How dare you? Jim Tang? Jim Tang is probably Kyle Contreras' neighbor. He's a racer oh, from the no. great state of Maine, <laughs> Big Jeff. Entitled. You start, started out with a racer. Nice. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm over already. This is right. terrible. That's a big X beside Jim Tang. I think I know what Jim Thang does, but if you give me that one, I'll probably get it right. <laughs> All right. You're uh, next. Name. Does this belong to a sportsman drag racer, a U.S. Olympic athlete, or an adult film star, Kevin Bolger? Is, is that Bolger with a U? Or is that Bolger like, like Folger's coffee, but with a B in front of it? Yes, the, the latter. Okay, so it's Bolger. I, I think I've watched, I, well, I think I know some of Kevin Bolger's work, but... Kevin Bolger is a name that's definitely, now this guy, I know how tricky you can get. So I know you can go back to back on me and get me started when I'm thinking adult film star or uh, U.S. Olympic athlete. Bolger is the kind of guy that's, that's a racer. Uh, Kevin Bolger is a, is a racer from Colorado, um, has run a little super gas, but he he more top bulbs now around around the house there in Colorado. Kevin Bolger, a sportsman could, drag racer. I feel like I should have the Google machine handy just to see if you're right about Kevin's origins, because he might well be from the state of Ohio of of Colorado. But he is not a sportsman mm. drag racer, Big Jed. Kevin <clears throat> is a cross country skier for the United States of America Olympic team. That Kevin Bolger. Oh that man, Kevin I Bolger, thought it was the yes. I thought it was the racer one from Colorado. My bad. <laughs> Shoot. Oh for two. Kevin X. Bolger, you son of a gun, you X. Let's go over oh, to man. the female Terrible. side of our list, Big Jed. Anna Nova. Is Anna oh. Nova a sportsman oh. drag racer, a US Olympic athlete, or an adult film star? Luke, you teed that one up. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, you give me a racer and you give me a U.S. Olympic athlete, and then you're going to give me Anna Nova. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, Anna Nova, she has been in the business for quite some time. I have not personally seen any of her work. I will say that, but uh, definitely, uh, I think I've, I've seen her uh, name on a couple of you know, on the back wall of Blockbuster back there where they kind of got half a paper bag on them. Um, Anna Nova is definitely, and, and kudos to you, girl. You got to earn a living somehow. She's an adult film star. 
Ding, ding, ding. All right, Jed, you're one yes. for three. Anna Nova <laughs> Nailed <is> it. <laughs> a, a German-born actress, best known for her role in the film Expletive Stretchers. That's where you can find Anna. There you go. All right, so you're one for three. I have not Jed. seen that one. I, I mean, yeah, I missed uh, that one Google. myself. I'll hit the Googler on that. That's what the Google machine spit out. As I've said before, careful. Careful with the Google machine on this exercise. <laughs> oh, Ooh. my goodness. <laughs> All right, Big Jed. Yeah, it's a company phone. <laughs> <laughs> Your fourth name. Whew. Does this belong to a sportsman drag racer, a U.S. Olympic athlete, or an adult film star? Your fourth name. Emma, but <laughs> did you say Emma or is it Emma? Emma, because <laughs> -M -M -M. that's two different. That's two different people. I... Emma, but B U T T. Okay, not Emma, not Emma, but and not Emma. 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 <laughs> okay, that's right. Emma, but um, Emma, but most definitely is not. A, an adult film star um you know we we don't they they don't uh, they don't use names like that um they they would they would use something a little more colorful so uh that's a very good trick on your part to try to use the last name but to get me to think it's adult film star excuse me but um emma Butt is is a uh she's a bottom bulb racer from the great state of Nebraska. Emma Butt, uh, very well known for uh, finishing seventh in the points at, um, at her local drag strip on, uh, on bottom bulb racing. So Emma Butt, sportsman drag racer. I love the stories that you develop around these. Uh, Emma Butt, <laughs> she may be known for her exploits at Onawa Dragway but she is better known for her role in such films as The Rise of the Foot Soldier 3. She is an English-born actress in the adult <laughs> film industry. That is your- The Rise name. of what? <laughs> I didn't, I had to include that because I have no idea what that means, but The Rise of the Foot you're you're going overseas not for these adult film stars. You know I don't know the overseas uh, talent not, over there. You know listen, I keep my adult I, film star knowledge right here in America. I Googled famous adult film stars. I can't help it if they're not from Alabama, okay? <laughs> to your point, I don't know what the rise of the foot soldier is, but obviously it was successful because she was in the third one. She wasn't in oh, Rise of the Foot <laughs> If she was, she's not known for her role in Rise of the Foot Soldier 1 or Rise of the Foot Not Soldier even in the sequel. Two. Yeah. <laughs> she, oh, wow. Uh, that's a, that must have been a very popular movie. I can't Third believe I missed that one. So I'm one for four or one for five. What am I? You are one for four, Big Jim. One for four. Okay. For I'm four. batting 25. Four. I'm batting 250 right here. It's not bad. Not bad. Where are we going to go next? Let's go. So to... I got to get the next two correct. To get back to five hundred. Well, five hundred is a is a difficult goal, Big Jed. I mean, you have three options. If you bat three thirty three, you're doing pretty well. I think if you get four out of ten, that's a win. Okay. 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 All right. I'm I'm excited about that. I think I got a shot. 
Let's go your fifth name. Does this belong to a sportsman drag racer, a U.S. Olympic athlete, or an adult film star? Rocco Sifredi. Rocco Sifredi. Um, they would never put Rocco Sifredi on an adult film star as far as, you know, the advertising or promoting their their next show or the next performance. Uh, nobody wants to to sit and watch Rocco Sofredi do anything but what he does so well, which is uh, his Olympic sport that he competes in, which is downhill slalom. He is uh, he's a winner Olympic athlete on the skis. Rocco Sofredi, uh, definitely one of the most talented people in Italy as far as, um, you know, this goes for, for, for their Olympic sport. Rocco Sofredi, better known as the original Italian stallion, has appeared in more than 1,300 adult film productions. 1,300! Adult film productions, Big Jed. When I got out the Google machine, I think that somehow I got on the kick of the the. I started with the most well known, and I was getting some some odd, unseemly results. So I went to uh, richest adult film stars in the world. Rocco Sifredi is atop okay. that list with a net worth of two hundred seventy five million dollars i do what just for perspective second place on this list of 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 rich wealthy adult film stars is a name that probably sounds familiar to you and our listeners he has appeared in this uh in this contest before by the name of peter north peter north (laughs) (laughs) who could forget peter north right peter north number two on this list at $10 $10 million net worth. Again, Rocco Sofredi, number one, $275 million. And so I, I had to I had to read a little bit more about this discrepancy, Big Jet. And it, it turns out that there's not really that much money in the adult film industry. Rocco has just been extremely smart in his investments. Uh, I was going to say, well, if he's appeared in 1,300 films, I'd I, I, I don't have my calculator handy right now, but I'd like to, I mean, I can break that down real quick, kind of see what he's making per performance, <laughs> but uh, Rocco Sofredi uh, sounds like he's been very successful at doing the deed and, uh, and getting paid for it. So uh, you know, shout out to Rocco Sofredi. Uh, I, I just, I can never, I can't believe that somebody named Sofredi has done that well in that industry. You know, typically the name needs to be a little more catchy, but um, I missed it. Missed it. I failed on that one. So now I'm, I'm one for five. You're one for five. We're due for a comeback. No pun intended. Your sixth name. Oksana Masters. Well, I'll tell you, Luke, uh, that one doesn't really fit in any of those categories. I mean, there's no, the name just doesn't say immediately this is what this person does um oxana masters 
has to be a sportsman drag racer. Oksana started in the junior ranks um, and she did okay. And then of course her father did what all junior fathers do and bought her a dragster. So Oksana is a dragster racer from the great state of Maryland. Oksana Masters, uh, hard to beat, tough racer, and uh, you know, hopefully our paths cross sometime soon and we get square up with one another. This is going downhill fast, Big Jed. Oksana Masters is a seven-time Paralympic gold medalist oh, in her specialty crap. of Nordic skiing. One oh, for six. And I just had the skier. I, I, I knew I knew you, there was a failure. You, you got the right idea. You just a little out of sequence. Yeah, I knew there was a skier in the list somewhere, but I didn't know it was Oksana Masters. How did I not know Oksana was a freaking Olympic athlete? That's so, I missed that completely. That's a, such an obscure name, weird name. You know, somebody names their damn kid Oksana is going to put them in the training. She's probably training for skiing since she was three years old. I, that was stupid. That was, I missed that one completely. What a bonehead. I might be playing a little bit dirty with you here. Sifredi, Oksana. I did way too much research on this. <laughs> your seventh name, Big Jed, you're one for six. We, we need oh. to finish strong here. Derek Malcolm. Derek Malcolm is not a U.S. Olympic athlete, and Derek Malcolm is not an adult film star. Uh, Derek Malcolm is most definitely a top bulb racer. He's done a little super street racing as well, but he prefers to go top bulb. And Derek is from the great state of Kansas. Derek Malcolm, a Kansasian top bulb racer. Pretty impressive, Big Jed. You're getting back on the board. Derek Malcolm is, in fact, a top ball bracer. I cannot speak to his experience in the super street category. And when you said can, I almost went, oh, my God, he's from Canada, not Kansas. Oh, <laughs> I was so, so close. I mean, those <laughs> are like a side by, they're right beside each other. I mean, is it? <laughs> so close geographically. Samsonite. I knew it. Uh, <laughs> Swanson, Swanson, <laughs> Samsonite. Uh, All right, very, so we're back on track. We're two for seven, Big Jed. Derek Malcolm is I'm back. a drag racer. Nice work. Let's go with Jason Hop. Uh, give me that last name again. Hop. H-O-P. Like a bunny. <laughs> yeah, like a bunny. Yeah, I see, I see what you did there. Uh, Jason Hop most definitely is not an Olympic athlete. Now, Jason he has to jump. either be. Triple he jump? could be. He could be, but nobody huh? named nobody named Hop is is going to be um, doing the triple jump in in the Olympics. So, most definitely, he's either a sportsman drag racer or he's an adult film star. Uh, I know that you get a little tricky, and you'll back to back me, like trying to get me off off my game and you put the word hop like a bunny in there so it's kind of catchy so you're thinking bunny and what bunnies do <laughs> you know what bunnies are known for but i'm gonna say jason hop 
is a sportsman drag racer and hop is from iowa he actually runs at earlville quite a bit he's a he's a well-known racer at earlville and uh, has competed heavily for the track championship there a couple of years in a row so jason hop sportsman drag racer out of iowa you're good at this jed i'm gonna have to strike the remaining sportsman drag racers that I had on my list, I'm going to take their names off because you've got this down. Not only is <laughs> Jason trick. Hopp, you're tricking me, a sportsman drag racer, you almost nailed the location. I found to, to be perfectly clear, Jason's a member of this is bracket racing lead. I know him, but where I stumbled into the name was when I, I was trying to search geographic areas that you wouldn't be familiar with, right? I didn't want a name that you knew. And I was searching the points standings at Rock Falls Raceway in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Not far at all from Earlville, Iowa. So not pretty, too bad. Pretty impressive there, Big. Not yeah, too Jason bad. Hop, top ball dragster competitor. You are you're redeeming yourself, Big Jed. You are now three for seven. Right. Sounds like three for three seven for to seven. me. Wow. All right. So it's kind of a free roll at the rest of the, the rest of the way. If you get one of these last three right, you are rocking this thing. Let's oh, yeah, bro. go to Lexington Steel. Oh, Luke, that's so easy. Lexington Steel should be an adult film star. But this steel has an E on the end of it. It does. This, this is not like steel. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is steel. That is not a sportsman drag racer. Lexington, nobody names their kid Lexington unless they are planning on them being great at some weird Olympic sport. Lexington is a very talented um i guess lead person in the bobsled events for for lexington's home country of um denmark uh so the category uh, lexington, is u.s olympic athlete oh they gotta be that's right they gotta be u.s yeah. yeah you were going over there for overseas i mean for adult film stars yeah lexington's on the american bobsled team i knew it was, i knew lexington was on the bobsled team i just couldn't remember for what country but Definitely. Your answer is certainly creative, albeit incorrect. Lexington <sighs> Steel is oh, the 10th richest adult film star, according to the Google machine that I, I pulled up. And I actually, I didn't know what to do with this because I couldn't post it in our, in our show notes. It would be a giveaway. But I, I copy pasted it. I've had this Word document on my desk now for, for, for three days just so that I could read verbatim what I learned about Lexington Steel. Lexington Steel in an in industry where most of the big bucks are made mostly by white women. Our number 10 breaks the mold in every sense of the word. Let's put it this way. Lex is known for his ample equipment, nearly a foot of it. Lexington Steel. Oh, Lexington, Lexington needs to take the E off, uh, off of his name. <laughs> Almost a foot of talent. Wow, that's uh, good for you, Lex. Oh, my. Yep, it's uh, racer. He'd be a deep stage. I was going to say I blew that one, but I'll just say I missed it. 
Good, good, good call. Good call. All right. So we are three for eight. Big good. Well, if those junior remain. kids are in the bed. Yeah. Yeah. Three days remain. Shut down. <laughs> How many is left? Two. Two, and I'm I'm three. Three for, for eight. eight. Yes. Okay. So I got a chance to go five hundred. You do. Which would be phenomenal. Would be unreal. I think that's what you did the first time around on this. I think it was. I was yeah. five hundred, and you you really you set the bar very like high. Made me feel like I did something great. Yep, you did. All right, your ninth name, Nina Roth. <laughs> Nina Roth. Okay, so Nina Roth definitely is not a sportsman drag racer. Uh, Nina. Nina wouldn't, she would never choose drag racing as her passion. Uh, Nina's passion is either uh, adult film star or uh, U.S. Olympic athlete. I, I don't feel really good about her being a U.S. Olympic athlete because the name Nina Roth just doesn't feel very American. Um, so Nina, uh, starred in a lot of great adult films and from her home country of Sweden. Uh, Roth actually a Swedish origin. Um, so she definitely is uh, blonde and tall and uh, you know she's obviously well put together. Uh, haven't got to see any of her work but uh, definitely um, you know, been told a lot about Nina's work in the adult film industry. So Nina Roth, adult film star. Jed, put some respect on Nina Roth's name. Nina I Roth, guess I missed it. Nina Roth is blonde. Nina Roth may or may not be tall. I can neither confirm nor deny. Nina Roth is a two-time Olympian, Big Jed, representative of our country in one of my favorite personal Olympic sports, that of curling oh yeah nina roth from the curling i i tend to uh, I, tend, I tend to change the channel when curling comes on i really need to start watching my uh my uh, olympic sports a little closer uh nina roth definitely i remember now yes a great curling. definitely you definitely need to bone up on your olympics to get in the game here <laughs> Uh, most definitely do. Oh. All right. The 10th and final name on our list. And where are you at? You got three? One, two. Yeah, I got three. Best I can do is 400. Yeah, four, four would be phenomenal, though. Four is better than you should do. Okay. It all comes down to this. Your final name. Is this a sportsman drag racer, a U.S. Olympic athlete, or an adult film star? Jay Gerdina. And by the way, Jay doesn't have near enough vowels in his last name. G-R-D-I-N-A. Gardena. Jay Gardena. That's right. So there's no way anyone is going to sit down to watch an adult film star named Jay Gardena. It's not catchy enough. It's weird. You don't really know how to pronounce it because the all the letters aren't there so that's kind of weird jay gardena should most definitely be a u.s olympic athlete except for the fact 
that he is he's he's kind of a big guy and he's just there's no olympic sport that fits jay very well although he tried to go down that path as a youngster jay settled in behind the wheel of a 71 el camino uh, in the bottom bulb class uh, way out there in idaho uh, the gardenas are very well known in the state of idaho uh, they, they've got a lot of farmland out there. They're a great family and Jay doesn't get the race as much as he'd like, but he does make it out there to Boise to, to hit the bottom in his El Camino from time to time. Easy way to finish me up to go four for 10. I appreciate the easy layup right there. Luke. Not so fast, my friend. Jay. <laughs> you saying I missed it? Jay Gardena. Had a successful career as an adult film star, but his claim to fame, Big Jed, was that he married one Jenna Jameson. Oh, okay. A name that I assume you are familiar with. Unfortunately, the marriage was short-lived. Uh, the, the, the Wikipedia on, uh, on Mr. Gardena says that they were wed in June of 2003, divorced in December of 2006. So that's a bit of a heartbreaking way to, to, to end our, our discussion here. I, I did also find uh, on, the, on the Wikipedia machine that uh, Jay Gardena in 2010 founded a business called NoHo, which... The description of this is <laughs> that—that's funny in and of itself. Now that I think about it, but uh, NoHo, the the reason I share this—I'd never heard this description before. NoHo, bonus points, Big Jed. If you can get anywhere close to what NoHo is, because you won't. But I'd love it, for you to take a swing. Is it a product? It is a product. Um, NoHo. Let me qualify that. I think it used to be a product because when I when I got the Google machine out, I believe NoHo is now out of business. NoHo was a replacement. Pantyhose tend to stretch and they get tears in them, Luke, and they're kind of aggravating for the ladies. NoHo was a replacement for pantyhose and they didn't last long because number one, they were very expensive to make. Number two, pantyhose uh, are, you know, a, a, just a common thing for ladies. They, they tend to accept the failures of the standard pantyhose. So NoHo tried to replace those and, you know, it just didn't work out. It was a financially sound deal. NoHo, get this, NoHo is, quote, a hangover prevention beverage. <laughs> okay, that no-ho. Okay. Seems like there'd be a market for that, but apparently it didn't take off. Yeah, I think um, I think Advil actually overtook them. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what you you know what you need to take for a hangover. I've never never experienced one, but um, uh, no-ho. Sounds like it would have been a really good choice, but I hate that it didn't work out for him. But, you know, much like Jay and Jenna's marriage, you know, it just wasn't just wasn't meant to be. Uh, it's hard okay. to believe that it's hard to believe that that, you know, a marriage 
for two adult film stars didn't didn't work um you know it's you know like who doesn't like to see their soulmate you know going to work and just really you know doing all they can do to provide for their family and who doesn't get inspired by that uh you know i couldn't imagine why those two didn't enjoy uh each other sacrifices and their everyday job so uh, i guess it just wasn't meant to be ill-fated to be sure shame on me big jed for ending the show on this note it's such a downer right failed marriage bummer all right that's it I actually got a hard out, Big Jed. My wife's got to got to be on a Zoom call in ten minutes. We got to wrap this thing up. Let's do shouts. You get three okay, for ten. Bud. Three for ten. I'm well, impressed. Not bad. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. So first and foremost, uh, if anybody wants to comment on what they've heard or seen here, go to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, I'm sure you got plenty to say. If you haven't already said it online, I'll get to look at that in a little while. But Luke, shouts has to be pretty amazing here on the live show. What what, what do you got? Shouts to. Taylor Rich in the 5-0 hoop. Yeah, sounds good. Shouts to the electric chair that you wouldn't get out of to drive said 5-0 hoop. Shouts to 81.2% epic. Shouts to the back wall of Blockbuster. Really? Yeah, it's way back there. <laughs> way, way in back, the back room yeah. blockbuster. Shouts to Rocco and his investments. 275 million. Rocco did well for himself. Yeah, very well. I can't even read my writing. It's such and such a bud's kill. Oh, <laughs> shouts to bunnies and what they do. You slid that in there. That was good. And shouts, shouts to NoHo. Shouts to NoHo. What a great product. And and I'll throw a shout in. Shouts to hard outs. <laughs> Luke and I are also active on the Twitter. If you want to tweet us, Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. Thank you for watching. We appreciate everybody tuning in the live show. Thank you to producer Mark and Paige. We appreciate your work as well for making this happen because there ain't no way in hell I could figure out how to do it. Luke probably could, but I can't. But, enjoyed another live show happy new year everyone we hope it's wonderful for each and every one of you we thank you for watching and we can't wait to talk to you again real soon about more sportsman drag Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. 
You can dream of that feeling all you want. Or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.